Manimal here. It's Thursday, December 20th, and today on Texas Rangers with the boys, we're going to go around the league. We're going to talk about Rangers uniforms. We've also got left field talk and what the Rangers are going to do there. And we've got number six on our top 15 moments of the 2023 Texas Rangers season. So join us today, Texas Rangers with the boys. I'm Jack Leiter, and you're listening to Texas Rangers with the boys. Welcome back to Texas Rangers with the boys. We are the boys, your daily Texas Rangers podcast by a couple of pro wrestlers who love Rangers baseball. And hey, we want to thank you for making us the first listen of your day. Just in case you didn't know, the 2023 Texas Rangers are your World Series champions. This is your boy, Kev, a.k.a. YBK, Kevin Frazier. You know, you can find me on social media at Kevin Lee Frazier. That is F-R-A-Z-I-E-R. You can also find Texas Rangers with the boys on social media at TXRangersWTV. And don't forget to check out our website, TexasRangersWithTheBoys.com. That's one word. Just one word. And joining me, my co-host, the 300-pound manimal, a.k.a. Bull, but not at the moment. Morning Bull. No, it's it's too late in the day to be Morning Bull. Yes, too late. It's it, and I don't know if Evening Bull has the same ring to it. No, uh, Evening Bull. Yeah, that's kind of boring compared to compared to uh, Morning Bull. But <laughs> ev- Evening Bull is somewhat on it, but. You know, oh, this is taken over for the Facebook. Remember when Facebook was yeah, like, thing like, well, <laughs> when 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 our social media was solely just for the Facebook people. We, now I mean, it's, it's still basically in front of your name. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it still basically is though. I mean, you can't. I'm not too surprised by what about by night that, nightfall? Yeah. That almost uh, sounds like a superhero. <laughs> night, like like I might be like uh, like having a a, a a vigilante type moment here yeah. coming up old night bull you got your hair pulled back oh. in a ponytail yeah that's, <laughs> well i mean most of the time most of the time i really only have it down to wrestle like literally uh, if i could if i could wrestle with a it. texas rangers hat on you know and some and, and you know like like a like a cowl yeah that's where I'd get in trouble is I, I dress too colorfully. <laughs> I wouldn't be a good night superhero because they'd be like, look, he's got green and blue Zubas on. Ooh, you know, it even sounds more superhero-y when you switch it. Bull night. <laughs> Bull night. Uh, yeah, I could, I could get behind that. I have to admit that I could get behind Bull night. Uh, but I'd still be a terrible superhero, mostly because... Of, of the dressing but you know i can't I, I i dress too colorfully and uh second of all i don't have batman money mm. 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 yeah also that- no superpowers of of note either so that, i think things- that's where i'd run into problems mm. Mm. but but anyways i mean if you if you if you want to continue our talk about if i am or if i'm not a night vigilante superhero. You can uh, you can ask me on Twitter or X at Manimal Bull, Instagram Manimal three hundred, and both Facebook and TikTok Bull Pro. So you know whatever whatever 
you know, line of the Facebook or the social media that you that you run, mostly Facebook, because I mean, if you if you listened to us last year at this time, that was our only. We were we were like just just check us out on Facebook, brother. <laughs> but but we're we're doing good now. We've got more lines of like I'm I'm even looking into how I might be able to do a, a Snapchat. Mm. But I don't know if it would if it would resonate. That's the biggest issue. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not really sure. I mean, I I don't really know what's big on the on the how where baseball ranks on the Snapchat. But you know, as you can tell, given this time of year, we're reaching for whatever we can find in terms of content, even if that means uh, making up uh, new names for ourselves. Um, well. Not a whole heck of a lot going on, but man, a blockbuster trade today for the for the New York Mets, right? Yeah, they were, uh, you know, another another big deal, another big deal there. The uh, Mets acquire Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor, both household names mm-hmm. in the Milwaukee Brewer organization. Uh, <laughs> to the uh, Mets, they're going to get a uh, um, a relief pitcher uh, back named Coleman Crow, who. Uh, as a minor leaguer. So we'll see if that deal is worth it for the brewers. I think they're clearing some cash or clearing some payroll. So we'll see what happens. They, you know, you never know. They might be in for a splash and they're going to, they're going to roll with Peralta and, and Burns one more time until they hit until Burns hits free agency. We'll just have to wait and see. Yep. Yep. And, and I guess the only other news around the league is just that, you know, from what the news reports say, of course, if you can believe believe that as far as you can throw it, but uh, that maybe Yamamoto looks like he's going to be landing in one of the two New York uh, teams. Well, but... that's kind of the, the, the word on the street, but I wouldn't count the Dodgers out. I wouldn't count San Francisco out. I, hey, I wouldn't even count off the Cubs. I don't know where they're standing on it. I, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we'll just, we'll just kind of see who's willing to – put the years and the money together and uh i've seen where yamamoto is more of an economic economist who doesn't really want to defer a whole bunch of money uh, like like otani did so we'll just kind of wait we'll see what happens but uh one other thing that happened yesterday um after we went off the air was andrew mccutcheon signed a one-year deal with the pirates uh so they're continuing their their one-year sprees with mccutcheon and Perez so uh former MVP Andrew McCutcheon it looks like he's pretty content with ending his career with the Pirates up there and and going year to year with them until they're you know unwilling to to give him a you know eight ten twelve million dollars yeah and you know I like to see I like it I like seeing that his career continues on he wants to play they want him there uh he's if as long as he's still contributing i don't see why yeah, i mean he was he was a very valuable piece at the deadline last year but uh you know kind of knew he wasn't going anywhere he's he's playing for the pittsburgh fans and the the people that appreciate him up there in that part of the country and and they should because he really took a pittsburgh team that hadn't been good since the early 90s and and between him and garrett cole and you know they they really made the pirates about uh uh, a, a piece that could have won a World Series. Yep, yep. Or a well, team that could have won a World Series. Well, I think that wraps up our. <laughs> I think that wraps up the uh, the around the league. So why don't you tell them about what's going on on January twenty sixth? 
Yeah, well, January 26th is just a couple weeks away now because we're getting close to what Christmas will be next Monday and then uh, we'll start gearing up to, uh, to to the new year and and Friday, January 26th, Matt War Pro is going to be back at the Southside Preservation Hall with Brawl at the Hall 2. It's going to be a, a, a big time because they're announcing matches and uh, the, uh, the winners of the uh, the uh winter classic they'll they'll be there the uh end of the war end of the world party so those guys will be back in action and they've got uh uh morgan mercy and and uh on their plate so that's that's going to be a a big time for them and uh you know we've got the big main event uh damo mccullough versus brick savage that's going to be a big match and it's going to be a uh, you know, an interesting match for not only the what the direction of the company takes and, and both the direction that these guys take. So we're going to be back out there in action where, you know, we're going to have Big Dog's Hot Dogs and, and Kelly's Onion Burgers and Starry's Ice Cream out there. So bring your bring your appetite, bring your sweet tooth, bring your bring your adrenaline because wrestling gets intense in there in that hall because it's small and people are people are excited about being there. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to uh, see Starry's ice cream back in full effect so that I can get some of that Starry's ice cream. Oh, it's the best. Well, so we don't have a heck of a lot of Rangers news, but I, I, I'm going to drop a question on you. You know how, sure. these, you know how these can be fun when we don't even talk about it off air, but I thought of it as we were popping on. So last year, this is where we're at, guys. So last year, the Rangers bring in the City Connect jerseys. They dropped the red jerseys, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about the, the alternate home jerseys where it's like everything's red except for the blue Rangers on the jersey. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I got what you're saying, yeah. So what, what, what? If if we had a if we had a choice, we could either bring a jersey back or make a tweak to a current jersey. Like, what what do the Rangers need to do this year? Um, in the in the jersey situation, I have a couple of ideas. Well, I I mean I would be for bringing the red jersey back. I would also be for getting away from the baby blues every Sunday. And maybe working in a couple of baby blues a year with the old Texas Ranger blues. Yeah. Um, I I, I kind of I I still like the idea of the the white and the red, uh, as far as the the mix whenever they're they're at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the I like the gray on gray on the road, and I like the gray on or the blue on gray on the road. So I wouldn't change much about their road jerseys at all. Um, I would I would get cream colored pants for those those City Connect jerseys instead of the midnight blue. But that's just my that's just personal opinion. I I kind of believe that baseball pants should be either gray or white. But that's just personal preference. I know a lot of people like the City Connect, so I'm not here to you know take that away from them. Uh, but for me, I would prefer a cream-colored pant. Um, 
and and again, I mean, I'm not I'm not against the Reds coming back. I know they've got they can only have so many jerseys. I don't know what they would ditch if they went with the red if they brought the red back. I like the I like the idea that they still mix in the red hat, but like you said, you know, it's a little weird with the blue on the no, the blue with the red behind on the, uh, on the jersey. Yeah. So, all right. I got a couple ideas. I think you're actually going to like, I think you're going to like them. So one idea, I think they should for their alternate home Jersey, since we want to go with the red thing. Um, instead of bringing back the red Jersey, instead of bringing back the red Jersey, what if we brought back the nineties home Jersey, just the, just the throwback nineties. It's long, been long enough. Uh, bring back the '90s home jersey, the white, the white old school. Stop it! Get out of here! Get. Anyways, my dog just decided she was going to be on the show. Um, hey, sometimes <laughs> we make cameos. We get cameos in different places. Well, anytime somebody makes any sound outside, she feels like guard dog. So that's my first idea: is your alternate can the the blue Rangers with the red everything else just go all red and throw it back to the old. Uh, the old white and red uh, 90s home jerseys. There's one. I'm with you on the City Connect. I would love to see maybe both. Maybe you go with some cream pants and you can kind of swap them out. But all right, now, here's the, hear me out on this one for the, the, <clears throat> for the powder blues. Taking a little bit of a page out of the um, Tampa Bay Rays. But I like it when the Rays wear the powder blue jersey with the white pant and the, the navy blue hat. The navy blue hat. Yeah, that's a good look. But if the Rangers, and they could do this at home or on the road, either one, I would look. it would look great. So you go the powder blue top, the, the blue hat, the white pants, and then like, you know how they wear those blue socks with kind of like that little red stripe and the Texas logo on them? And you could do that with the white pants or the gray pants. I think that would look really good. And then the powder blue could kind of just be, you know, something that stays in the loop and you keep selling the jerseys. I know it hurts the the, the hat sales, but you know, well, I just... I'm no, I'm no fashionista by any means. So them asking me what I think probably won't, uh, won't help any of us, but I do like the more traditional look. The one thing I don't like about the City Connects and the Powder Blues on the weekends is that you go a whole three days before you see the Rangers in what they should be wearing. <laughs> That's one thing I don't like about it. But but I definitely like the 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 road, um, the the blues with the the gray pants, and then I also like the gray on gray that they wear on the road as well. But think of that. Think of like the powder, like the same thing that they do with the dark blue jersey. Oh, I agree. I think I think that's good. I think that's a good look. I think that the uh, I think the powder blue would look better with the white pants and a darker hat, or the gray pants. Because I've seen remember or the gray, yeah, the road too. But at, the, uh, on, at home, mm-hmm. you'd wear the white pants, right? And on the road, you can wear the gray because I, I love Tampa's uniforms that look like that. That's where I kind of thought, man, maybe the Rangers need to take a page out of page out of that book but anyway we, we added 10 minutes to it to the show there no well, well you know uh, uniforms I, I as long as they're playing every every night at 705 what as long as they're not wearing like those chicago white Sox short pants with the collared baseball jerseys we're, we're doing okay 
Right. right. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I, I, that's one of my favorite parts about baseball uh, is the equipment. I guess it's just a, a weird thing, but I was that way about wrestling too. I, I'd love the, you know, the, the gear and the extra stuff, but anyways, well, we do have our, we do have a, a kind of a loaded topic with the Rangers today. As you guys know, we've been going around the, uh, around the diamond and talking about each position as it comes up for the year. And we've found, we find ourselves at left field. And in many ways, it's kind of like outfield in general, but we left field is the most intriguing. Obviously, we have our rookie sensation, Evan Carter, who, Pretty much is his job to lose, I, I would have to say. But he also has, and not just him, it's not just Evan Carter, Leody Tavares and uh, Dallas Garcia also have hot on their heels what might be the one of the most impressive starts to a, a minor league career uh, we've seen in 30 years. Uh, Wyatt Langford is also, we hope, going to make a big push in that outfield. So, the plot thickens as it relates to left field and the Rangers outfield in general. Well, yeah, and left field is one of those interesting things because as as great as Evan Carter was out there, um, he still struggled with left-handed pitching. He wasn't very good against it in the playoffs. He wasn't very good in, against it in that first month of his season. And now, of course, I believe that with time and with seeing left-handed pitching and, and, and improving – uh, that Evan Carter is going to hit left-handed pitching at some point, and it may be as early as the start of the season next year. But, you know, if that doesn't come around, you'd like to have another outfielder out there that can hit left-handed pitching. Um, and then, again, before we get to the minor league stuff and, and, and before I talk about Wyatt, you know, there is the option of, like, bringing a Robbie Grossman back on another one-year uh, inexpensive deal where you know you get Grossman who can hit left-handers and that's what he does exclusively for the most part um, uh, to to kind of platoon there with with Evan Carter in the beginning um, until he kind of proves that he can hit left-handed pitching and then um, once you get lower than that you start looking at the the Wyatt Langford effect because he's going to push people. Um, I don't know 100% that he's going to start at AAA. I would imagine that he would, but there is a chance that he could start as low as AA and get some everyday at-bats there before they decide what they're going to do with him next. But I could see him starting at the AAA level, and I could also see him you know, pushing the, t- pushing the limits of, of being a major leaguer to start the year next year. But um, uh, past Wyatt Langford, you've got Dustin Harris, who is traditionally a left fielder, and then he's also on the 40-man roster. So you've got to kind of start thinking about this will be his second option that you'll use this year if, if he at no point even plays big league baseball. And, and so you got to start kind of thinking about what you've got in Dustin Harris. He's going to be 25 next year. So you're kind of getting to that point with him, and you want to see – you know, if he's a big leaguer, and I, I imagine there'll be some opportunities next year for him to to hit at the big league level. Um, I don't know if he pushes the the team to um, break in the camp with the club or not. I doubt it. But you know, I mean, that's another thing to think about. And then they've got some other guys um, 
you know, like Trevor Hover is a left-handed bat that could play most of the outfield positions, first base. He's got a little bit more flexibility than 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 Harris. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't know that he's really a big leaguer. He was part of that Rangers deal with uh, Joey Gallo. He's that last piece. Um, and then you've got Aaron Zavala, who's still just a couple of years out of college, um, playing at Double A, and I imagine he'll start there and get a repeat there and get an opportunity to uh, um, perform before he moves up to Triple A. And then past that, you've got some young guys um, like Osuna and Ban- Zion Bannister that would be probably at Double A. And then you've got uh, um, international signing last year uh Gisel Cepeda that's probably at the double a level and then once you get lower than that you've got like Anthony Gutierrez guys on Morabel Yosi Galan Marcus Smith who was part of the Mike Minor deal um Tommy Speck and uh uh some of those guys that'll be playing probably a ball next year and there might even be a chance that uh Jeremy Cabrera plays some a ball next year at the, the down east or hickory level not 100 percent sure but most of those guys are still three plus years away unless something really turns the tables so you're looking at carter you're looking at grow uh, the possibility of bringing maybe grossman or another outfielder type that could play some left field here um that would be okay with platooning and then past that you're looking at langford you're looking at Dustin Harris and probably Aaron Zavala is probably that next guy down. So we'll just kind of see what does, what brings what twenty twenty four brings for all of those guys and see how it goes. But I'd I'd imagine that left field at the beginning of the year it's Evan Carter's job to to win or lose, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, and you know Carter. In the postseason and in the regular season, he only had 20 at-bats against left-handed pitching, uh, managed only one hit uh, and one walk. So uh, definitely not a big sample size, but what we did see, you know, kind of does lend you to kind of want to have an option there. I do like the – the I like having Grossman there as kind of a uh, safety net uh, if White Langford doesn't win that job. But remember, Langford's a right-handed bat. So what a great opportunity to have those guys platooning uh, in left field. To me, that's the ideal scenario because, you know, Langford won't have a ton of it, won't have to have a ton of it bad. So he'll get a small kind of a sample size. Uh, most pitchers you go up against are going to be righties. So Carter would get the lion's share of the at-bats. You also get the opportunity for Carter to slide over there at center field and spell Tavares a little bit if he needs to do that. It gives you the option that, you know, you can keep Tavares' bat in the lineup, keep him fresh, and put him over at DH because he can hit righties and lefties. Um, I, I like I like the versatility element of it. And, again, for us as a team, I think the big thing we – the first bridge we got to cross is Langford's got to show he's the real deal. That's – before it can be the ideal scenario, that's what you need. But I think well, – I, I think the same thing with Carter as well. Well, like, I think Carter, that, that's as important as well as for him to hit lefties and, and do it on a regular basis because I mean, like that, he put a 1.2 B war up in a month. Like right. that's like bonds level type B war 
I mean, it for a full season. So if he can hit left-handed pitching, I mean, like the, the versatility of what he brings to the team is insane. Right. And, and I agree. I also like still the option of maybe having a guy like Grossman would be perfect that you don't have to pay him a lot. He doesn't have to play a lot. And if a guy like Langford does throw that he can uh, hit his way into the lineup, um, you're not losing a lot, but you still got that veteran presence there uh, on your bench. So uh, yeah, because I don't know if you agree with me, but if if Langford probably isn't going to get a reasonable amount of bats at the big league level, I wouldn't want him up at all. Well, I think it's kind of like I want to. It depends on how he hits. Like I think it's fine for these guys to get small sample sizes at the big league level, regardless. Like, even if they don't do great, even if it's not, you know, the, the, the splash that you'd like to see, I think it's good for them to get, you know, 10, 15 games, if anything. If the plan is to possibly move him into one of those slots next year or the year after that, I, I like that. What I don't like is just letting them, you know, flounder yeah. for yeah. And, and really, you know, when they could be getting some quality at bats uh, at the minor league. We also have the option of, Ezekiel Duran out there. We also have the option of Josh Smith, which are both guys I still think might get at bats early in the season, regardless of, of Lankford's ability, because of the fact that those guys still, especially Duran from the right side, because he hits lefties so well. Um, you know, I just could see those guys getting those at bats early just because they're a little bit closer in their big league. You know, they're guys that you want to see what you got first. Langford could basically play half a season in the minors and, and come up later if, if he needed it. But yeah, um, I, w- I would think that that would probably kind of be like cl- the the plan. But again, you know, I mean, a guy like him can force himself into any situation uh, if he gets on that right moment, you know, that right hot streak. Yeah, it's just but when you think about it, too, remember Evan Carter last year was hot all year. And it didn't matter how good he played. You kind of got the hint that he probably wasn't coming up until when he did. Uh, and maybe they give Langford the same treatment. Uh, the only thing with Langford is, and, and this is not to, to downplay anything Evan Carter did, but we're talking about like batting 350 with like a 425 on base and like a six 700 slug, you know, like. That's right. And you got to remember that Wyatt Langford is the same age as Evan Carter, maybe even a little older already. So, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a different, it's a different ball player coming into this organization where Wyatt Langford, I mean, Wyatt Langford is, uh, he's ready. He's ready to go as far as just him being a prospect and him being wanting to play baseball at the major league level. Whereas Evan Carter, when he came into the organization, he's brought in with the idea we can slow roll this guy because he's 17 years old and then we're going to have him play in an A ball at 18 and double uh, A ball at 21, 20 and 21. And, and they don't have that same uh, – option with Wyatt Langford because he's going to be 22 years old when the, when the year starts and, and, you know, you, you're, you're starting to think about like how, how quick can we get him to the big leagues? And, and, you know, I mean, not the, not to say that they're going to intentionally rush him, but, you know, I mean, if he's killing it at the PCL, he's definitely going to get a shot to play at the big league level. 
Yeah. And I also think I, it's funny. We last year, we were talking a little bit about Josh Young. Um, and, you know, he has a lot in common in my mind, like with Langford a little bit because he came as a similar route, maybe not quite as big of a splash early, but it's kind of like if Langford kind of comes in with that mindset, that mentality, like Josh Young came in with this year, um, that that should that might be the game changer uh, for me because the leadership, just the maturity and all that kind of stuff that you saw from Josh Young, same thing with Evan Carter too. Um, if he comes in with that maturity and you can see that like mentally he's like, no, this is where this is where I need to be. Um, guys like that are really hard to deny and they're really hard to keep off the field. Yeah, and and that's the idea. Like you hope that's what you get from mm-hmm. um from Wyatt Langford is that you can't keep him off the field and that, you know, you're put in a position to where you have to make a decision on an outfielder next year because mm-hmm. he, he pushed himself into a spot to play. Yeah. And, and I still feel like that's what happened this year. Right. I mean, like Evan Carter forced himself into this spot to where last year when they were going into the season, I mean, uh, Josh Smith was their for their first line of left field with Duran behind that, at least until Grossman got, or until uh, um, Leo Tavares got healthy. Yeah. I, I would say this too, though, when it comes to outfielders and this team, you know, if we get into next year, I think that the, the benefit that we would have, if let's say all four of these guys are major leaguers, you have a DH. And all four of them can all four of them can hit. They can all well, and, and that's the biggest thing with why I'm not just in such a big hurry to get rid of Ezekiel Duran is oh, because yeah. Ze- Ezekiel Duran can hit, and now he's got to prove next year that he's not going to chase as much. But you know, th- those are things that do come with time. So you don't expect Ezekiel Duran to chase as much next year as he did this year. Just like we watched Adolis Garcia cut his chase percentage back. So you want to see that with Duran. And then if you don't see that, then it might be time to start thinking about moving on from it. But again, Duran's what, 24, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's not like you're just ready to kick that guy out of your system and, and get rid of him. I mean, he's not going to be 25 until middle of middle of next season. And, uh, you know, same thing with Leody Tavares where these guys aren't exactly old dudes and you're not just ready to, you know, abandon ship on guys, especially after they both hit at hit well at certain points of the season last year. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, the young guys, I expect, I expect them to steadily improve. And I don't, I don't, I don't get why everyone's in such a hurry to get rid of young prospects, especially if it's not going to be like the return of a, a, a controllable pitcher. You know, my thing is and a controllable ace, even. Right. It will. I'll, I'll also put it in my my other thing about it is that injuries and regression happen, and I just don't ever think it's a good idea to like cut back on depth when you've really got good depth, especially young guys that aren't costing you a ton of money. Um, yeah, I, I just always think it's like smart, like it's a luxury, and and you saw last year, man. It was a long season, and playing all the way through the playoffs is a makes it even longer. And I mean, you think that's like an obvious thing, but it 
blows my mind how many times these, you know, kind of are as we are as well, but armchair, you know, uh, you know, coaches like forget that, look, we need depth too. And having four outfielders that all can play, that can hit and do all, you need that because that means all four of those guys, there's going to be 400 plus at bats for four guys in the outfield, especially if they can hit and, you know, DH having a guy like Zeke Duran, like there's going to be spots for those guys to play and play on a regular basis. So I'm just, I'm all about depth. I think having young guys that having deep, uh, having young guys for depth is a great way for them to get smaller sample sizes uh, so that they're not necessarily overwhelmed. Plus also helps you see what you got. Uh, But I'm also a big fan of those wily cheap uh, veteran guys that, uh, you know, if, if well, they, and those guys, those guys can be brought over in trades with for for you know uh-huh. young young prospects that are below the the thirty man too. You know those those guys aren't always really expensive commodities. Right, right, right. Well, brother, we talked a lot about young guys on this show, so we might as well uh, tell everybody that we've got our exclusive content down on the farm with the boys. Yeah, if you, if you like that, if oh. you like that talk today, mm. we've got we we do this once a week. Yep, it's called Down on the Farm with the Boys. That's where we cover all things Rangers minor league. Uh, it's right now we're doing our top forty prospect list. Already up is our next twenty which is prospects number 21 through 40, plus a bonus five. Uh, and that bonus five is is loaded as well. Super, almost controversial. Two first rounders. Yeah, it's, 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 it's good. It's a banger. So go check that out. It's just $2, I mean, $1.99 a month, Christmas time. Perfect time of year to ask your significant other for that gift. Gift yourself. Give it to, you know, give the gift of baseball to yourself. Or put it give on it your kids. Yeah, hey, put put it on the put it on the TV or put it on the radio for an afternoon with the family or a, or a or a drive to work or or something like that. Plus, it's also a great thing to gift to someone else. Hey, give the gift of baseball to somebody else. So great time of year to do that. And you know what's exciting is Sunday we will be or over the weekend this weekend we will be doing our top twenty prospect list and that will be our christmas gift to you guys and we will have that out over the christmas holiday and you will know who the new number one prospect in the organization is and who our top 20 is there's going to be some names that you know most likely all names that you know but maybe uh maybe a few hot takes here and there from uh, my co-host so go on over there and check that out at our our website texasrangerwiththeboys.com all one word or you can go to our spotify page and subscribe there. So we got we got a moment to talk about. This is one I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one. Do you mind? Go for it. This one was the I think like they're all important, but this was one of those moments as like a Ranger fan that I don't know if I can ever remember like having one like this before. Um and I think that's why it meant so much to me. That's why it stuck in my head because it was so rare. Um, as a Ranger fan, but it, you know, it's number six, right? We're on number six. Number six. Yep. Jacob deGrom has gone down. Yeah. Oh yeah. The night before. Yep. Jacob deGrom is done. No more deGrom. We don't have an ace. Nathan. We didn't know that at the time. 
No, we kind of knew that at the time. We kind of we kind of saw the writing on the wall when we started hearing forearm tightness, and it just kind of felt like that's where it was going. I wasn't surprised. So we needed. You remember that old '80s song? I need a hero. You know that song in the background play. I need a hero. Like that's that's what we needed. Okay, Nathan Eovaldi steps up and i'm telling you like eye of the tiger we're naming all the 80s songs right now he had the eye of the tiger that night man he came out with like that bulldog look in his eye against the yankees it was a saturday night complete game i thought he was going to get a no hitter man he was just on fire shut him down i was over at my sister's house and i was just losing my mind like it was just chill bumps all over my body man that was the point at which you know I realized that, man, like this team is just, they're not going to give up all year. And finally, finally, we have enough pitching that even if we lose our best pitcher, we have guys that can step up and get the job done. That night against the Yankees, I don't know the date, I'm sure you do, uh, one that I will never forget as a Ranger fan. Well, I'll tell you this much. It was, uh, I know for sure that it was the day of the, the Texas shootout. Mm. the uh the wrestling festival of 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 getting together and and talking about the old times well me and me and the bull man went to that for about an hour because we were on our way to vacation we were we were we were heading out going to to uh utah to to go to all the national parks of colorado national parks arizona national parks so i remember this pretty well myself it was um Oh, it was April. It was right before my birthday in April. That's what I know. It was uh, the 29th of April. And Eovaldi goes, takes the, takes the hill. This is the night after DeGrom leaves in the fourth inning. And we're trying to put a pretty bow on the fact that we are kind of thinking he's going to need Tommy John's surgery and be shut down for the whole year. And uh, the Rangers, they didn't put a ton of runs up. This was one of those nights where uh, they didn't do a ton. Um, uh, it was Ezekiel Duran who basically did it. He hit a uh, two-run home run in the uh, fifth inning off of Johnny Brito, who is now a uh, San Diego Padre. Hmm. Um, and uh, those two runs, they held up for Nathan Eovaldi, who threw a nine-inning, three-hit shutout, eight Ks, and uh, uh, kind of, you know, really put the thing on his shoulders to to the the onus was on him to be the man, and and he stepped into that situation. And uh, prior to this, these because there were like three outings in a row where he threw complete games or into the ninth inning. And uh, prior to that, he had kind of struggled. The Royals had beat him up one night, and he you know he wasn't exactly. Uh, the guy that he kind of turned into down uh, through May and June, and then really in the playoffs, the whole, the whole, the whole thing. Uh, but this was kind of that turning point for Ivaldi, and uh, you know, you kind of expected him to be great when he went out on the hill from from this point on. And when he was out there, except for those kind of rehab starts he had late in the season, that's really who he was. And even before he went on the DL, he went out and threw like. Seven, six scoreless, six or seven scoreless against the the D, the the Rays that night. Yeah, and I don't know if you have the box score pulled up, but 
I want to say that he had a no hitter going for a while there. I don't remember if that was how long it went for, but I know he was just like on fire and it was kind of a sign of things to, t- to come to, you know, like, like it was also, you know, the pitcher that we would also see down the stretch and let us know that like, we have that guy, as long as he's healthy, we've got that guy in our back pocket that can come out there and, uh, and do what needs to be done. And so, yeah, man, that was a, that was definitely a moment. Um, it was not just a moment for the year, but as a Ranger fan for me, it was, well, I'll say this: it was it wasn't a no hitter because uh, or it wasn't a no hitter bid because in the third inning, Isaiah Isaiah Kiner on a ground ball to Travis Jankowski. So it wasn't quite a, a no hit bid, but man, when you get a shutout against the Yankees and and everything seems like it could be crumbling around the team, and then after that, I mean, they went on a, a nice stretch where. They, you know, they beat the Yankees three games in a in a row after an opening loss. They had the split with Arizona, and then they beat. They won series against the Angels, the Mariners, the A's, and uh, you know, so it was really a a, a jump off point for that team to to really, uh, you know, put some distance in between them and their the the Astros at that time. Yeah, just surreal when you sit back and you think about all the moments of the season and what all it led to and just how how good this team really was and how hard how for us it was just being Rangers fans, you know, and our history and having to wait until the very last very last out was was done till we could really, you know, take a deep let it all sink in. Yeah. But looking back, when you look back you really realize that this team was great all year long. Like, like they had moments, like these moments that we're talking about, this was a great team. Like, they're Well, not- and if you remember correctly, that New York series was right on the heels of that Cincinnati Red series where they had blown three leads in a row, and then they get kind of beat up by Garrett Cole uh, on, on a Thursday evening, and then the DeGrom, hap- the DeGrom injury happens the next night. So it was, you know, it, it could have really violently sloped downhill right there at the end of April. But guys like Nathan Eovaldi and 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 a dude we've talked about all night tonight, Ezekiel Duran, you know, putting that thing on their shoulders and helping this team win in April and May and really June uh, and July as well. Love it. Love it. Well, I got nothing left. Uh, a little bit of not a whole heck of a lot. Um but we found a way to we found a way to talk about it. So uh, thank well, you. We had I thought I thought we had a real nice uh, left field discussion, and you know I mean there's still there's still lots of options out there. We'll just have to see what they do. Yeah, there's definitely a lot. The free agency has not moved a whole lot for anybody really. And not a ton. No, and I think that's also a good sign because it just means that it's not just the Rangers uh, that are kind of holding Pat at the top end of the market, but it's. It's pretty much across the board. So we're going to keep our we're going to keep our positive hats on and make sure that we keep a, a, a good attitude. Heck, it worked all year last year. We're going to stick with it. I mean, it worked all year last year and this year. So we're going to stick with that as we go along. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, this is Texas Rangers with the boys. Thank you for following us on social media at TX Rangers WTB. Also, don't forget to check out the website, TexasRangersWithTheBoys.com. All one word where you can subscribe for your Christmas present to our 
exclusive content down on the farm with the boys just a dollar 99 thank you for subscribing to our uh podcast on your favorite podcasting platform for the 300 pound manimal aka morning bull but not this time this is your boy kev we are texas rangers with the boys signing out